What do you care about? What do you have in your toolkit? What do you resonate with? What do you feel that you have to offer and contribute? What is the reasoning behind you wanting a change? In her book, Conversational Intelligence, Judith Glasser wrote, to get to the next level of greatness depends on the quality of our culture, which depends on the quality of our relationships, which depends on the quality of our conversations. Everything happens through conversations. Welcome to Conversations, powered by Quantivos. Welcome to Conversations. I'm Brian Gorman, a Quantivos coach and our host for Conversations. Our guest today is Barbara Blatstone, another Quantivos coach. Welcome, Barbara. Hi, Brian. It's wonderful to be here today. I'm excited to participate in the conversation. Our topic today is career fulfillment values and transitions, which is an interesting combination, Barbara. How do they all come together? Well, you know, thinking on this, Brian, I think of taking the great resignation, the idea of quiet quitting, the pandemic, and changing careers, and putting that all together. It made me think of how reflection and self-awareness is the key to moving through these types of huge situations and upheavals in our society right now. So when I think about self-awareness as the key, but it's self-awareness about what? It's self-awareness about what is important to you. What do you value? What matters to you? And when then I you know, have been coaching people through the pandemic before that, when I think about what we would talk about the most, we talked about what matters to them most. What is, what is the most important thing that they value? What are their values? And then when we think of values, what is meaningful? What is their purpose? And, you know, I am a positive psychologist. I also have, you know, an MA in positive psychology. And that was brought upon by searching for meaning in my work. I was in the fashion industry for many, many years and did not derive the meaning that I can safely say now I definitely do. You know, Martin Seligman says, of course, you know, meaning is that belonging and serving something greater than ourselves. But that's an intrinsic quality. That's an intrinsic quality that is a basic need for all of us. So finding that out and coaching through that, I, I find that really important. One of the um, drivers for the great resignation is people saying, there is no purpose in the work I do. Mm. And it's amazing. It's amazing to me the number of people, the percentage of the workforce that finds no purpose in their work. And yet I've also seen some studies that have been absolutely intriguing about how people find purpose in their work. Mm. And I recall one that I read several years ago, I think, of custodians in a hospital. And while some custodians just barely got the work done at the end of their shifts, others would get the work done much more quickly and then would do things like go and visit patients who didn't have visitors 
when they were doing the research, they noticed one custodian who walked into a room, and each time she walked into the room, the first thing she did was look up at the ceiling. And they said, why are you always looking at the ceiling? She said, that's what patients see. So finding meaning really is a very personal, personal kind of thing. Oh, I love that, Brian. I think I've read that study as well. And I think it was actually when I was doing my master's because it, it did identify the uniqueness of meaning and how meaning is not always this massive, huge purpose that impacts everyone. It could be something that's meaningful to you or meaningful to someone. I, I guess what I'm hearing here is the connectedness. How does it connect not only from what you're doing, but how does it connect to someone else? And I guess, you know, like for that custodian, for any of the custodians, how does it connect to the people that they're serving or working for? Is it the pride in their work? Is it the fact that the person then sees something better and maybe it helps them health-wise? And that's the impact. I really like that idea of connection in mm -hmm. meaning. And I'd, I'd like to come back to that. Mm -hmm. One of the core questions that I ask my clients is what makes your heart sing? Because passion is in the heart. It's not up in our heads. What surprises me is when somebody says, I don't know. And that can become really the heart of coaching just to identify what is that purpose? What is the, that passion and that joy that I have? That's wonderful, Brian. What a great question. And jumping on what you're saying there goes back to exactly what I was saying in the beginning, that's self-awareness. If you are not aware of what makes your heart sing, of what has purpose and value and meaning, then how can you actually find it? How can you actually pursue it? It reminds me of Viktor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning, and reading that and his deriving meaning in just a like a you know a sliver of sunlight that came through when he was you know standing in that room alone or small tiny details that would create meaning because that's all he had or the movie life is beautiful finding meaning in spaces where i'm sure others would not find it at all but knowing yourself enough to bring it to life coaching has that potential of that self of creating self-awareness in someone where there wasn't any. Absolutely. Let's come back to that idea of connection. Mm -hmm. Does purpose have to have connection with other or can purpose be just connection with self? That's an interesting question because I'm thinking there's purpose within the environment. There's purpose within, you know, for animals, for inanimate objects, for just, not just, I have to just say this because my daughter said this to me, who is a millennial, about it last year. She said, mom, especially as a woman, don't ever use the word just. She said, it already diminishes the value of what you've just said. So I, I try to catch myself unless it's necessary. I'm wondering if it does need connection to something bigger than yourself, outside of yourself. That's where I'm thinking too. I know I'm a semi-pro photographer. The connection is to the art and the message that I want my photography to convey. Mm -hmm. Yes, the ideal is that there's an audience that it's conveying it to. And the passion for me is in creating that message. 
what I'm hearing here too, which I wonder another thing to explore is I completely agree with you. And I said it and I, I loved what you just said, that it is in some ways outside of ourselves. But does it require us letting go of the outcome as well? Being okay with, I have a purpose that I want to impact people in a positive way, but I can't control how that is and how it happens. One of my first coaching clients was a man in his early 40s, had just quit his job to go back to school for a PhD. And when I asked him why, he said, I'm the only person in my family that doesn't have one. My gut instinct was, this isn't going to work. And as a coach, I had to let go of the outcome because it was his choice. And I know to this day, he would be angry with me and himself if I had tried to convince him this was a bad idea. Mm -hmm. He lasted in the program two days, two days. And then he came back to me and said, I really need to find out what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm. So, yeah, it's important, certainly in our profession, to let go of the outcome. Mm. It's important also for employers who are bringing coaching to their people to let go of the outcome. Because sometimes what people discover in coaching is they're not where they belong. And I'm sure you find that a lot because I certainly do. Yes. And when we're not where we belong, we don't serve ourselves or our employers or our coworkers well. Absolutely. The alignment isn't there. So let's move into the transitions part of what we came here to talk about. How, as a coach, do you help people make a transition, whether it's up within an organization, across in an organization, or into a different organization or even a different career altogether? For me, again, it goes back to, I feel like I have the same foundation. It is that self-awareness. First of all, what is coming up for you? What's bubbling up that you feel there needs to be a change? Why is that? What is coming up? And based on that, there's always the exploration and the self-awareness around what matters most to you. I studied also executive mindfulness, and there's always an exercise of exploring past and future and then coming back to the present, what is most important. So looking at what is of value right now and then doing either a worksheet or the values in action through positive psychology, the assessment on values, your character strengths, your strengths. What do you care about? What do you have in your toolkit? What do you resonate with? What do you feel that you have to offer and contribute? What is the reasoning behind you wanting a change? What do you want to be different? I can jump in for just a moment. Please jump in. Go ahead. One of the questions, and I actually first encountered this question when I was laid off in 1990 Mm. in a book called Fired for Success. And the question is, what do you do like breathing? What is it that comes so naturally to you that you don't even know that this is a skill? And everybody else says, if I could only X like Barbara, Mm. I'd have it made. And so that's one of those self-reflection questions I invite my clients to explore, not only with themselves, but with their coworkers and with their, their families and their friends and so forth. Because it's hard to see sometimes how skilled we are in certain areas of life. I couldn't agree more. I, I do like to use the Gallup strengths, but I use, usually consider that and your core values. That's your front toolkit. 
I would say that top five, it's your front toolkit. To your point, you don't even know it's there. When you approach a situation, it's that way of being that's comes so naturally. It's the most important thing. It's something you notice immediately. It's the question you review when you go home. If it is something about, say, being strategic, why didn't I think of those questions? Why didn't I? If it's something about connecting with someone, why didn't I, you know, why didn't we connect deeper than I thought? Or, wow, this is really great how we really fit together. Those are the things, the indicators, you know, so exploring that. So knowing what is in that toolkit, you know, and then of course, when you're really looking into transition, it's, I always help my clients create a list of criteria. What are the things that are the most important criteria that you would like to see in your next role, your next position? Give me 10 and we'll rate them. 10 being, I have to have this. This is a deal breaker. If someone says it does not, you know, the role doesn't have this, I cannot accept. And one is, that'd be nice to have. I go one further than that. I have them also list out what are the no frickin' way am I ever going to accept a job with that again? I love that. I think I'm going to add that in. Yes. Yeah. What's the absolute? You hear it? No, I'm not doing that. When we think about meaning and purpose, sometimes, and I came across this with two clients in the last year and a half, sometimes the meaning and purpose cannot be found at work. Maybe the position is such that I can't move right now. There's no way mm-hmm. that I can make a change, whether financially, health insurance, whatever that looks like. And there's no other positions available at the job, whatever. So there are criteria that keeps them bound in that position. But the meaning and value and purpose, still, it's still there itching. What I did with both of them is explore outside. Well, what are you doing in the evening and the weekend or at lunchtime? Or where do you volunteer? And those are the questions after we find out what, of course, are the meaning and values and things that maybe are missing at work and that they want to find. So there's just always that added piece where it might not always be at work. If I go back to, you know, what are my strengths? What are my values? Mm-hmm. Um, what is my purpose? All of those kinds of questions. They become so important because now we have, and again, that, that ranking that you talked about, now we have some filters. Mm, now we know these are my guardrails, if you will. Like in bowling. They will tell me, well, I don't want to fall in the gutter. Uh, <laughs> That's exactly so, it, right? <laughs> uh, so these are, these are the guardrails that I know are going to be there to support me as I go through this transition. Because transitions are not comfortable. They're often not easy. And they're sometimes incredibly, incredibly energy draining and and tiring and and tough. And so if I know that I've got my family, for example, or my religious or my spiritual practice or or yoga or whatever it might be that are important pieces of how I show up every day, I've got something to hold me together and to not feel like I'm the whole world is going to change when I make this transition. That anchor, right? That holds you. It kind of reminds me of, I'd also do some work with nurses in healthcare, group coaching in resilience, well-being in the face of burnout. And one of the things we start with, of course, you know, the buzzword is resilience. And everybody talks about resilience. And I loved, I was so thankful that at the first session, one of the nurses said, I hear this all the time. What is resilience? Like, what are we supposed to have? 
And we started talking it through sort of the lens of positive psychology where, you know, it is, yes, it's coping mechanisms, and but it's also finding meaning and value and being able to bounce back. So I brought in a framework called the four S's of resilience. And it's just, it speaks to exactly what you were saying, Brian, about those listing and, and thinking on a situation. Usually go to the past first, because you think about a situation, a really heavy situation where you made it through. So what are those four S's? What are those support system people, the people that kept you upright? What are those strategies? Like you said, is it yoga? Is it, you know, exercising? Is it talking to a friend? Then what is that sagacity, that wisdom, that inner wisdom that gives you hope and belief? And then lastly, what are those superpowers? You know, maybe it's strength. Maybe maybe it is that strength that you have. So kind of pulling that together and then it's, let's take that to a new channel. What do you have going on now? Look what you have in place, right? That's the anchor that's holding you. You have these in place already. You know how to use these. When you mentioned superpowers, I actually use superheroes when I'm coaching clients, not just in career, but in any tough situation. And most often the question will be, who are your superheroes? Every once in a while, somebody will cringe and say, I don't have any superheroes, and I'll reframe it, who are your role models? But once they've listed their superheroes, and I say they can be living or deceased, they can be historical, mythological, they can be comic book characters, just who are they? Then I ask them, and what are their characteristics? Mm, Great question. What they are talking about are the superpowers that they have or that they are striving for. Yeah. So once we do that, the question becomes, and how would your mother, mothers often come up with superheroes, yeah. how would your mother handle this situation? What would your mother's advice be here? Or how would Rocky Balboa work his way through this situation? And then the departing message is, these are the superpowers you have, the superpowers you're striving to build. Someone else could have the same list of superheroes and very different characteristics. So now you always have a coach with you or coaches. I love Your it. superheroes are with you all mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. So much internal knowledge that we actually have if we're willing to explore it. I think that's... Absolutely. And in a way, that's the beauty of what we do is to, I always say, it's like shine the proverbial flashlight in those corners that you really didn't look or you never had a chance to. I love that exercise. Yeah, it definitely builds. They'll build on each other and provide so much rich information that can help you build that resilience. Barbara, what else do you want to share with our listeners about careers, fulfillment, values, transitions, purpose? It's a risk and it's all a risk. I think you and I had spoken about our stories and just briefly, you know, in midlife, I did change my career completely, 180. And it was such a huge risk for me. But I think when you get to that point where you've reflected enough or you're seeing what you're doing and some catalytic experience makes you realize, is this it or is this all I want for myself? When we think about that and we're able to then think about the things maybe that we do want, I had gone back to school then. Yeah, it's the oldest one in my course, (laughs) older than the professor. But I loved that. And it gave me not just the MA, not just the opportunity to become a coach. It also gave me insight into the millennial generation that I, even having daughters that age, nothing prepared me for just being involved in it and immersed in such a way. But it, it is all a risk. And then coming out and saying, finishing and saying, 
am I going to be successful now? I was successful. I was very successful. What is it going to look like now? And that's where I think all of what you're talking about, those superheroes, and what I'm talking about, those S's of resilience, all of those things, it's got to hold those really tight and take the risk. And is the risk worth taking? To build on that, for me, a piece of that message is there's a risk in assuming certainty with what you have as well. Very true. So which is the risk more worth taking? Mm. And only you can answer that, you know, right? We can ask Absolutely. a million people. We can even have a coach. We can, but it's, we have to answer it ourselves, but it is worth exploring. Barbara, thank you so much for this conversation. Oh, it's been brilliant, Brian.